Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Titus 1. Welcome to your last seminary class as we start the book of Titus. And we've kind of been using that seminary motif going through the last few books because 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, as you by now probably remember as we go through the New Testament, are known as the pastoral epistles. These were letters not written by Paul to churches, but by Paul to pastors, Timothy and Titus. And so now we get to this last letter, the letter to Titus. Now, maybe if you remember back to your college days and, you know, the beginning of the first class where you would perhaps go over the syllabus, maybe you felt like that was a time when you could kind of check out, yeah, yeah, he's going to read the syllabus. I can read it later. There's nothing important here. That may be how you're tempted to think about the intro to some of Paul's letters. Yeah, Paul writes it. Yeah, he's writing it to Timothy. Grace and peace, yada, yada, yada. Let's slow down there. Um, these are important things, even in the more simpler standard greetings. There are rich things that Paul speaks of in those introductions. But today in Titus, there's especially a depth to what he says to Titus in the introduction. Even if you look uh, at Titus in your Bible, uh, you see verses 1 through 4 are the introduction. But what I want you to see today is how the content of the introduction really gives a basis then for what uh, Paul will go on to say, uh, this is not merely just flyover introductory material. This is essential because it really speaks to what the mission of a pastor is. And if you're a Christian, that really speaks to what your mission is, because this is what you are to be shepherded to. Let's look at what I'm talking about. Verse one, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then here he gets to three things that really are Paul's aim and what he's seeking to pass on to Titus and what all Christians should be interested in for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. So there we see Paul is saying, why am I here? Why am I an apostle? Where here's three reasons. For the sake of the faith of God's elect, that's number one, and their knowledge of the truth, that's number two, and he connects then that with which accords with godliness, and then third, in hope of eternal life. These are the things that Paul has been commissioned to do, and in substance, this the, these are the things that we see him passing on to pastors, and therefore, these are the things that every Christian, uh, they should con be concerned about these things. The faith of God's elect. 
This is really, I think, speaking to the body of what we believe, especially what is essential for salvation. You even get the idea of salvation there from God's elect. Paul is there to be clear about the gospel. He wants to see people one to faith in Christ. And that faith is based on a body of truth. And then that truth, he says, in the knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. So, Paul wants people to know the core truths of the gospel and and come to faith in Christ. He also wants people to to grow in their knowledge of the truth because that will lead them to godliness. So really here you see sanctification and justification. First, the justification there, the, the faith of God's elect, but then also their sanctification that they would be set apart, that they would know the truth more and therefore live more godly lives. So that should be your pastor's mission. I am here at a church and I want to see people one to faith. And then I want to see people grow in their knowledge of what the Bible teaches in a way that will lead them to godliness because it accords with godliness. The pastor wants people to grow in knowledge and grow in their character. So do you want to grow in those things? If you are a Christian and you are a part of a church, those things then should be your earnest desire. I want to understand the Bible better. And that's not just for the sake of my knowledge and for the sake of uh, just growing in my academic skills and my debate prowess. No, it's so I can be more godly. And even you see connections here, I would argue, to the Great Commission. We want to see people baptized, one, to faith. And then we want to teach all that Christ has commanded. We want to teach people the Bible so that they can observe all that Christ has commanded and obey what he says. And all of this is also brought together uh, in hope of eternal life. And it talks about the strength of that hope because it's based on a God who never lies. And this God has made this promised. And now this is the proclamation, the preaching with which I have been entrusted. And you've seen that already in Timothy. Paul is saying, I've been entrusted. Now, Timothy, I'm entrusting this message to you. And really, this is the message that has been entrusted to the church. So obviously, pastors take a lead role in this, but every Christian needs to understand, I am in some sense a steward of the truth, a steward of the gospel. And and this right proclamation uh, that has been entrusted to us. So I want you to to think about those things today and really just to check your heart. Are those things you care about? Do you want to see people get saved and be a part of that? Do you want to, first and foremost for yourself, grow in your knowledge of the Bible and the godliness that that should lead to? And is all of this supporting your hope, your hope in eternal life? That's actually a great way to sum up a lot of what church should be about. We're seeking to bring people to faith, to let them grow in knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, all in this hope. So there you really see not only justification and sanctification, but also glorification. That is the hope in which we are saved and what we have heard of in the gospel based on the promises of a God who never lies. And I think in many ways that introduction 
then sets the stage for what comes next. Because the core of this charge that Paul is giving to Timothy, he says in verse 5, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So he wants the church there to be in order because he cares about these things, their faith, their knowledge, their hope. So he wants there to be order in the church. And for there to be order in the church, there needs to be leaders, good leaders in the church. And so Titus is supposed to appoint elders. And then very similarly to what we saw in 1 Timothy 3, we see Paul give qualifications for the elders. And so, like I said there, a few applications there is one, this is who you should look for if and when you're ever looking for a church. Two, you should pray for your pastors as they seek to continually meet these requirements because it's not as if, well, I met them, check, now I'm an elder or an overseer there, um, so I'm good for life now. No, they need to maintain this level of character, so pray for your leaders. And then third, seek to follow that example and aspire to these character traits yourself. So like we did in 1 Timothy, I'd encourage you to read through that and prayerfully select some of those elements in which you would like to see growth in your own life. And part of it, the end there, is really the doctrinal fidelity and ability of these pastors. They must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So the pastor needs to be able to teach, not just in the sense that they can get up in front of people and speak without it being awkward or incredibly dull or boring. No, they need to be able to teach clearly so that they can rebuke those who aren't teaching the right thing. And that's seen to be even more of a necessity starting in verse 10, for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. So there's all kinds of insubordination, empty talk and deceit going on. Um, He highlights one, so he's not limiting it to this one aspect, but he's highlighting those of the circumcision party. Now, if you've been tracking with us through the New Testament, this is going to ring some bells of what we've seen even back in Acts, or especially a book like Galatians, where it seems very clear that there were some who were teaching you need to be circumcised to be saved. They must be silenced, verse 11 says, because they're upsetting people's faith. So the pastor needs to be able to open up the Bible and show them you're wrong, and this is why? And he goes on again to say in verse 13, rebuke them sharply. We need to rebuke those who are teaching these false ideas. And we need to be careful that not everyone who sounds like they're biblically knowledgeable is actually godly. There's kind of a bookend here. We saw at the beginning, knowledge of the truth accords with godliness. It goes along with godliness. But there are some who seem to have a knowledge of the truth, but there is no godliness, and that is a big problem. Verse 16, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Oftentimes, false teaching is accompanied with a moral 
decay, where there's a profession of knowing God, but then a denial of God with their works. So we need accurate teaching. We need strong pastors, but that also means we need strong Christians. Are you one of those strong Christians? Are you seeking to know the Bible and to be able to discern truth from error? Are you seeking to be a person of character? These are things that you should take away from chapter 1 of Titus. And you should be inspired that you want to be a servant for the sake of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Let me just tell you, that is more interesting and more powerful than anything I've ever read in a syllabus for any class that I've ever taken. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.